Hi, I'm Jerry Boyer. Welcome to Business in the Kingdom on the Edify Podcast Network. Today, we're talking with Tom Carter. Tom is the president of the American Conservative Values Fund, an ETF, uh, which is an investment vehicle. And um, they recently sponsored a survey of what their particular network are thinking about companies that are associated with being on the left and on the sexual revolution side of things and which companies they're most concerned about, which are seen as being the worst in that regard. And I've asked Tom to come here and talk to you about it. So Tom, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Jerry. I appreciate being on. All right. So tell me about this survey. How did you go about doing it? Yeah. So Jerry, we have a large list of people who follow our research, who are investors in our fund, and who are just people who you know we reach out to from time to time. And it's a list of about 5,000 people. And we've identified them as conservatives. We've identified them as investors. And so we do an informal survey um, pretty much quarterly to find out what's going on in their minds with companies that they think are hostile to conservative values. And so it's interesting, um, in the first four surveys we did, Facebook or Meta, which they changed their name to, was always the top um, negative company that conservatives thought about in the S&P 500. And, and, and that went along and, and about 38% of the people that we, that we survey have Meta as their top company that is hostile to conservative values. Well, in the fifth survey we did, interestingly enough, Meta came in too and Disney surpassed them and Disney was the number one company that was hostile to conservative values according to um, our investors and our constituents. And, and so there was a pretty, what we thought was a, basically a seismic shift because Disney, although always being on the list, in the last six months to a year, Disney's aggressive stance against conservative values, their aggressive stance against the Florida, what they call don't say gay bill, which obviously we all know gay was never in the bill. Um, their stance against those things really, I, I think, alerted conservatives to the way Disney was thinking about it. Disney has always been known as a family-friendly um, company. People love to take kids to their movies, to their theme parks. And now that people feel like Disney is on the side of um, of groups that are anti-conservative, I mean, I think people have really woken up to that. And obviously, our investors have noticed that and, and put Disney at the top of that list. Interesting. By the way, I hate to put you on the spot, but how do, can I get on that list? I want to I want to see the... the the research. How how do I become the five thousand and first? Is there a way that we, is there a way that people can sign up to see what, what research you're doing? I'd be interested. Absolutely, you can go to our website, which is acvetfs.com or investconservative.com, and you can sign up to be a participant in our research. Um, you know, we do things like we we send out um, every couple of weeks articles that we think are interesting to conservative investors. They may be about various companies. They may about be about trends. They may be about um, things that are going on in, in the government that affect um, investors, such as what the SEC is looking to do on, on, on clean energy or on, on, on things such as that. So we, we, we try to keep people abreast of what's going on with conservative investing. We will also talk about, of course, our product from time to time and send out our most recent fact sheet, which outlines the product and our performance and things like that. But we try not to inundate people. 
um, we try to just inform people and keep them updated on what we are doing and what we think conservative investors should be looking at in the marketplace. You know, this has been brewing for some time, but pretty quietly, um, this um, backlash against the ideological capture of these large corporations. I think Disney was really the turning point. I mean, not not only did Disney put itself to the top of the list of, you know, uh, companies that conservatives are most offended by, but it actually put the whole topic of the ideological capture of these companies on the list of a whole lot more people. Uh, people were simply not paying attention, and they thought that all of this stuff was about politics. You vote the right way, then everything will be okay. Um, and all of a sudden realize that maybe the front line in the culture war division in this country has now shifted to uh, publicly traded company boardrooms. Yeah, you still vote for governors, still vote for senators, still vote for presidents, but that's kind of like almost at an impasse now, right? So it's like the battle has shifted the front line where it's moving, shifted someplace else. So you got out ahead of this, right? You've got a fund. You didn't just launch it. At when did you, how long ago did you launch it? So the fund will be two years old in October. So essentially, you know, a year and uh, nine months ago. So we, we were way out in front of what you are talking about is happening right now where conservatives are, are being alerted to some of these things happening in the board. All right. So two years ago, you launched it roughly. Um, now, having been involved with launching some funds, you don't decide to launch a fund and then launch it next, next month. So what? Another two years in the planning? That's um, probably correct. Yeah. yeah. So it, 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 we've been we've been at this almost four years. Right. Okay. So why did you see four years ago um, something that a whole lot of people didn't see until really this year? The need for alternatives. Now, I'm not saying you're the alternative. There's all sorts of ways to approach this. You can have people do sin screens. They do conservative screens. They do engagement. I'm just talking about the fact that you are entering into financial markets politically and ideologically aware, and a lot of people were clueless. Conservatives were essentially MIA, just not paying attention at all. So how did you know four years before almost everybody else? I, I will tell you what alerted my partner and I to the fact that um, conservatives were, to your point, clueless about this, was the rise in the ESG funds. Um, you know, environmental, social, and governance. And most of the environmental, social, and governance funds that were coming out were on clean energy. They were on um, things that the left liked a lot more than, let's say, the right. And let's be clear, we're not against clean energy. We're just against mandating people to have to be clean energy. We're against government subsidies to make clean energy the, the economic um, solution, as opposed to natural capital markets coming to the coming to the solution that clean energy is the right place to be, right? We believe that capitalism will send money where money is well-treated. And if there is a good reason to invest in clean energy, it will be there and it will naturally go there. Right. We don't believe the government should mandate it. We don't believe that um, this greenwashing of certain companies makes any sense. And so we said, look, ESG is collecting a lot of money, but yet there is nothing out there with the exception of, of, of some faith-based funds, and, and, and we, of course, know about those, and there are some really good funds out there uh, that are faith-based, but we said there's nothing just pure conservative in our mind, where you would look at a portfolio and you would say, you know what, man, in this portfolio, you are giving your money to um, CNN through ownership of AT&T. 
you're giving your money to the New York Times. You're giving money to MSNBC and NBC through your investment in Comcast. So we said conservatives should wake up to the fact that their money is going to organizations and companies that don't share their values. And it took us a couple of years to build the fund. Um, one of the ways we thought about doing it was bottom up, a concentrated portfolio where you would just look to conservative companies and you'd build it from there. That was a very difficult prospect. That's a lot of research. And frankly, you know, it's difficult to find those companies. Yeah, are there enough? Could, yeah, could, you, could you build a diversified portfolio exactly. of, of companies with a conservative orientation? Or I know some people want to have funds where you invest only in Christian companies. Could you build a diversified portfolio? I mean, I would love it if there were enough Christian companies out there, you know, with a conservative value system that you could have, uh, you know, an S&P alternative and you could have, you know, weightings in all the sectors. But I think, you know, you'd you'd have a pretty empty tech sector, for example. Um, yeah, it'd be almost impossible, to, or um, finance for that matter. That's right. And, and, and so instead of doing it that way, we chose to look at the largest wallet share, take the S&P 500, and then invest in companies that, let, let me change that, not invest in companies that are hostile to conservative value. So our primary goal is to get you the best return we can, as close to the S&P 500 as we can, without giving your capital to companies who don't share your value. Right. And, uh, and that's how the fund is built. So um, we can have a little disagreement about whether you're giving capital to them, but let's set that aside. Um, uh, that's, that, that's probably not the, the, the main uh, issue for us to talk about. What I find is frequently when folks are building products like this, because others have come along and built uh, similar products, and then there's the you know religious screen-based ones, there seems to be the idea that you can get the liberalism or you can get the sin out of the portfolio. So it becomes essentially a binary thing, you know, uh, and you can clean the portfolio of these baneful influences, right? And what I... I don't hear that kind of rhetoric from you. You know, I hear more, and also, you know, Bill Flagg, who's your partner in this, I hear more, listen, um, that there's a certain amount you can do. We live in the real world. Um, and if you're going to have a diversified portfolio, you're going to have companies in there that are going to have things that conservatives or Christians aren't going to like. You can't really do business that way. We're essentially making a statement here, but you can't have ideological purity in finance. Um, and I appreciate that because I think the, the right could fall into the danger that the left did, which is to basically say, well, we'll have no pollution. You know, we'll have no evil. We'll have no badness, no human rights violations in the supply chain. And they overpromise and the right can overpromise too. Agreed. And, and, and I agree. We, we are admittedly not ideologically pure. We are, we are, in fact, uh, we do have companies in there that I think conservatives would probably have issues with. But in order to get um, good returns, and look, we've been in the business a long time. We understand that returns are important. We understand that if people don't get returns, they are not going to invest with your product. So we have to give something that is as conservative as we can give from a political perspective, but also giving broad-based portfolio returns and characteristics that match what people are going to like. And you know, I, I would give you the example when you talk about the left of saying, let's get rid of um, all fossil fuels. Look, that's impossible. We, 
we, we can't get rid of all fossil fuels. Can we have alternative energy that's, that maybe um, gives us some energy from that, that alleviates some requirement of fossil fuels? Yeah, we can, but not by 2030, probably not by 2050. I mean, fossil fuels are still an important aspect. There's going to be a transition, but they want a 10-year transition, and we think it's going to be a lot longer than that. So we, we still think fossil fuels in the energy sector is, is, is something that's important. And how in the world can somebody know? I mean, th- talk about, Friedrich Hayek talks about the fatal conceit of central planning. How can some somebody sitting, you know, uh, near the uh, ski trails of Davos just kind of pull a number out of the air, you know, by 2030 or by 2050? But suspiciously round numbers, by the way. You know, what? how do they know it won't take till 12 till 2051, right? So that's that's five-year plan stuff. They've got no idea. I mean, maybe it'll be fossil fuels for another thousand years, or maybe there'll be a breakthrough and it'll be cold fusion in four years to basically essentially pull these numbers out of the air. And that's fine if you're dreaming, you know, but to pull these numbers out of the air and then go and shove this down on corporate planners, shove this down on Chevron or Exxon and say, oh, well, you've got to stop producing any um, any uh, methane by 2030, or you've got to stop producing uh, carbon dioxide by 2050. It's it's absolutely ludicrous. That's right, and 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 we and we agree with that. And you know when you when you see folks from the Biden administration, in, including the Transportation Secretary, get in front of Congress and talk about the plans, and they have no idea of the impact of going with electric vehicles, if everybody had an electric vehicle by 2030, the impact on the grid, the impact on the consumption of fossil fuels in order to supply the electricity that the, that the cars would need. There, there's no planning, there's no forethought to there. And, and just trying to shove it down to your point, people's throats, um, we don't agree with. So again, we're not against green energy. Um, we're, you know, we're for research and development and all those things, but we're against the government trying to force it upon us and we're, you know, we're and we're and we're against companies um, that greenwash and try to tell everybody that they are are forcing it upon their shareholders and their constituents as well. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. You know, it's kind of interesting, this greenwashing thing, because kind of, you know, providentially, I would say, um, these companies, by getting out and over-promising, they've created an environment now where they are inviting the trial lawyers and the regulators in to say, well, wait a minute, you say you're green. You know, that's that's a representation you've made to the investing public. How green are you really? Um, and those who've been posing, and that's a lot of them, now find themselves being investigated. So to some degree, I'm seeing a collapse of what I've been calling the ESG bubble. But the collapse almost started from the left more than from the right, where the left was saying, you're not green. Stop saying you're green. You know, and someone who was running ESG for BlackRock resigined and said, they're not really doing it. 
Um, and whereas conservatives were maybe a little slower to see the problem with it or just slower to engage on that level. But I mean, if it's hated by the left and it's hated by the right, I just don't see how this thing can, can continue to prosper and become the inevitable future that it said it would be, given all the backlash against it. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and, and you know, uh, folks like BlackRock, when they were saying to companies, you know, you, you need to have a certain amount of green in, in your company in order for BlackRock to invest in you, especially when BlackRock has um, the amount of money they have to invest in companies and almost forcing companies to concede to what BlackRock wanted in order to get BlackRock's investing dollars. You know, we, we, we obviously don't like that. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I think a lot of the large indexers um, have done that in, in, in certain circumstances. Um, and they've almost forced companies to greenwash in order to get that investment dollar. And again, we, we, we think of that as, as forcing people to do something they don't want and not letting the natural ability of the market make that decision for you. And we, we think the market should make that decision. What um, other patterns have you seen in the, did you say it's four or five years you've been doing this survey? No, it's, it's only probably been um, about two years that we've done the survey. Okay. We did, it, we did it before we launched, right before we launched, you know, in order for some proof of concept that we wanted to make sure conservative investors would be interested in a product like this. Um, and then from then, we've, I, I think we've done five surveys now. Okay, five surveys. What other patterns have you noticed beside the, um, the rise of Disney, <laughs> which is really the fall of Disney uh, in the esteem of conservatives? And I think, I think particularly Christians. Uh, I mean, I think conservatives in general were upset with Facebook because there was you know, all this stuff about the 2016 election and Russian collusion. And if you denied there was Russian collusion, then you'd get fact-checked. Right. But if you said there was Russian collusion and, the, you know, you wouldn't get fact checked and there was a sense of political unfairness coming out of uh, out of Facebook. Um, but Disney, I think particularly the trigger event was parental rights and education bill. Um, right. And I think um, Christians, Orthodox Jews, ev you know, evangelicals, um, traditional Roman Catholics, Orthodox Jews, Mormons, people with a certain religious orientation are probably the most sensitive to these areas of sexual morality and sexual identity. And probably Christians had got, had maybe dropped our guard a little bit with Disney, um, you know, long after it was obvious that at some level, something was starting to kind of stink at Disney. Whereas, I mean, they weren't pushing trans, but there, there, there seemed to be a, um, a subversive agenda with Disney long before it became this obvious. But Christians were in a trust relationship with Disney, and then all of a sudden, they showed their true colors, um, and that was really huge for them. So, so obviously, Disney was a big one. Uh, the, the change in Disney. Are you seeing? Did you see any other changes as the as this survey has been going on four or five times? We have, and in fact, we just talked about BlackRock. Um, we've we, we've seen BlackRock climb, coming from the fact that um, you know I think the ESG movement. I think conservatives finding out that. That BlackRock is behind some of that has vaulted them up the scale a bit. Uh, I think they went from 14th to something like fourth. Mm. Um, again, behind Disney, uh, Meta's always been up there. To your point, nobody likes Facebook. Interestingly enough, since Elon Musk has been involved in Twitter, Twitter has actually come down from a negative perspective from conservatives, and 
Um, I think conservatives are giving Twitter a chance a little bit more than they did when Twitter blocked the New York Post from posting anything about the Hunter Biden laptop and things like that. When that was happening, conservatives were very negative on Twitter. Once Elon Musk was in the mix, Twitter seemed to not be as negative in the minds of conservatives. Interesting. I, I bet next year it's going to be even more negative because- I'll bet it will. Yes. And, and yeah, if, if I were to predict how that all goes, I, I think you're right. We've seen a rise in Target become um, more on the minds of conservatives being, uh, and, and, and you know I think that probably comes again, and, and I'm going to say some of the Christian folks might have something to do with this as well. And that's when it comes to vaccine mandates. We've heard a lot of people who say, you know, Target was forcing vaccines on people. Um, I also I also think there's some critical race training that goes on with employees there. And well, and like book that. banning. I mean, they banned books that are skeptical about transition surge, sexual reassignment surgery for minors. Yep. Right. I, by that's the way, personally, exactly I've had point. a lot of dialogue with Target. Won't mention any names because my client list is confidential, but on behalf of other investors. I've, I've talked with Target a lot. They have gotten so many things wrong. They seem to be almost the most predictable ally anytime LGBTQ TBA, to be announced, um, comes out with you know another diktat. Target is right, yes, absolutely, yes, sir, or ma'am, or whatever it is, yes, um, Yes, whatever pronoun you want, we will do it, and we will do it immediately. And you know, I've I've talked to them, and um, you know, there's no at this point there doesn't seem to be any changing them. There's always miracles, but um, you know, at this point they are. Some of these companies kind of go along because, like, I guess that's what you have to do. The millennials want this branding, but some of these companies seem to be committed to what they're doing and not being pulled along by the nose. And Target seems to be one of them. So. I, I agree with that. And, and you know, it's one of the things that we look to, um, you know, we look at the boardrooms and we and we wonder if they're making these decisions in order not to get canceled or not to have the leftist mob attack them. So do they really believe in these things or are they doing them just in order to not be attacked by by the mob and, and, and by, you know, the, the very vocal aspect of the left? Um, and and, and that, that vocal aspect of the right isn't as significant. They don't make as much noise. And so the backlash, if a company does something on the conservative side, isn't near as, as bad as the backlash from the left and that very, very vocal mob of people who seems to get the media's attention and whatnot. Or so, hasn't so, been. But it's interesting that there's an evening out going on, I think, right now. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still, it's not as big. I agree. It still isn't. But essentially, look, I've had conversations with these companies and even with the big proxy services. And I said, why do you always vote with, you know, like you vote for disclo the disclosure proposals that the left wants, like defund the right, but you don't vote for disclosure proposals that the right wants, like charitable contributions to Planned Parenthood? Um, and he said, well, I guess we're afraid of boycotts. And I said, sounds to me like you're only afraid of boycotts from the left. And he said, yeah, that's a fair point. And this was about two years ago. I said, get ready. It's out there. It's rumbling out there in flyover country. People are getting fed up and there is a backlash coming. And at this point, the reputational risk, I don't know whether the reputational risk from the left or the right is higher, but I know the reputational risk from ticking off the right is rising faster. That's the, that the delta on that is a lot stronger now. That's the thing that has momentum associated with. 
I, I agree with that. And we, you know, we're seeing that. You, you, you've seen companies that the left has gone out and attacked and the right comes to their rescue, right? I mean, a long time ago, it happened to, to, Ch- to Chick-fil-A and, right. and that seemed to work out well for them. Now, they're not a public company. We cannot invest in them. So they're, they're an example of somebody that, that we can't invest in. Um, but, but there are others and, and, and we agree with you. We think the right is becoming more of a significant factor when companies make bad decisions in our mind, in, in our political mind. Um, and, and I think Disney's an example of that. I, I think the fact that, you know, um, the last movie that came out, uh, that was about Buzz Lightyear and I didn't see it, but, but the box office was awful. It was. And I think conservatives boycotted it, frankly. I think it was and, the worst and, Pixar ever. Yeah. Inflation adjusted. Worst yeah. Pixar ever. And, and, and so I think you're right. I think there is a change and we're seeing it coming. We would like to make that change somewhat on the investment side, not yes. only the consumer um, decisions on what they buy and what goods they use. We'd like them to do that as well as make investment decisions based on their political and conservative views. As well, well, there's more leverage on the investment side, I think, um, than there is on the consumer side. I, I think there is. Right? Because it's hard to get the, the number of people, right, to, to do a boycott. And people don't change their behavior easily. Um, but, you know, a shareholder has a lot of authority. Now, that's more the engagement side than the, you know, than the divestment side. Um, and that might that might be an area we where we don't see entirely eye to eye. Um, uh, well, I, you know, I don't know, Jerry. We um, what's interesting is right there. They're, the engagement side, you can try to make really left leaning companies less left leaning or you can try to make companies that are right on the edge maybe not fall off the edge and go left-leaning and try to keep them on the right side. Right. Um, so in fact, we are, we are involved and, and, and we put in a proxy and I don't think legally I can talk too much about exactly the results of that or what's happening with it. But I can tell you that we um, submitted a, a proxy to, um, to Microsoft, which is our largest holding. And we have asked them to explain their diversity and, and inclusion program and have more transparency on the cost benefit of that diversity and inclusion program. Yeah, good. They've, they've obviously the, the the benefits they think are um, you, you know are there are benefits there, but I think there are more social benefits than they are economic benefits. So we've asked about the economic benefits. Um, hopefully, at some point, we can come out and more publicly talk about and that. And we'll talk about it then. That would be good. Because we, we, we are on the same page when it comes to engagement. We, we, we're both in favor of engagement. Um, for, for me, screens are basically take them or leave them, right? Like if, if it's a way to make a statement, that's great. You know, if it's a conscience issue. So I don't tell people they have to, you know, use screen products like this. Um, but I also tell them, Hey, it's also a way to register the way you think about things. So I kind of take a kind of freedom, you know, a Liberty point of view on, on this now. And so do you. So, so that, that, that's not an area where we disagree. I have other colleagues where we disagree vehemently about this, uh, where you've got, you've got to do it right. Uh, or you're not a good Christian. Um, and, uh, we, 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 we believe we're giving people a choice what to do with their investment dollars and, and, and. And it's, and it's a choice that we don't think is really out there right now. Um, like I said, there are a lot of good faith-based funds, and, and, and we're a bit different. We're not completely faith-based. We, are, we try to be much more um, politically conservative. And, and although faith is, it, it, we are closely tied to that, that's not our only screen. Well, to be honest with you, Tom, I feel like sometimes the faith-based conversation is too narrow. The faith-based conversation is religious liberty and sexuality, but 
you know, you know, I think God cares about energy policy. I think he cares about um, whether there is dignity for all in the workplace, regardless of race, not dignity right. at the expense of somebody else. I, I think God cares about, you know, a, a whole a, a whole lot of issues, you know, about economic growth, about all of those things. So to, to me, I think there's a need for someone like you precisely because the faith-based community sometimes only focuses on a small number of issues as if God only cares about those things. When doesn't he care about freedom too? You know, does. Doesn't he care about war and peace? Doesn't he, you know, doesn't he care about, you know, law and order? And Absolutely. doesn't he care about energy and human flourishing? I think he does. So I think we ought to be talking about all those things. And if you have to have a not totally faith-based fund, you know, um, that's that's rooted in faith in order to talk about those issues, all right, then bring it. That's what I say. No, we and, and and we agree. I I just want to make sure that your listeners don't think we're putting ourselves out there as faith based when we're not exactly faith based. We are much more. Um, we're looking at the political conservative aspect of that, which would include Second Amendment, which would include, of of, of course, pro life is is, is is part of it. Right. Um, just part of the conservative viewpoint. But to your point, supporting the police, you know, supporting not not um, warmongers, things like that. I mean, we think that's we think that's important. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, Tom Carter from American Conservative Values, uh, ETF. Anything else you want to say to us before we go? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, um, I guess one thing I would say is that, you know, since inception, even though we've boycotted almost 27% of the S&P 500 from the standpoint of the companies that we think are, are hostile to conservative values, we have actually outperformed the S&P 500. And that is after fees. And, and, and so I think that's an important thing is that you know, our mantra is we are trying to give you the best performance we can while eliminating your investment in in, in companies hostile to conservative values. And we think we've done that in our first couple of years. of. Well, you know, that's a good point, You know, because you know what investing is for? To make a return. That's right. Right. Investing is not for to make a political statement. And that's where ESG gets wrong. They're I willing agree. to sacrifice return for ideology. And we are not. Yeah. Tom Carter from American Conservative Values. Thank you so much for being with us on Business in the Kingdom on the Edify Podcast Network. 